Yo, uh, welcome to Red River Podcast. Uh, today we we had a, a sick guest, so we we didn't want to drag him through the coals to talk <laughs> to talk songs and movies. Uh, well, we all know how the world clamors. Yeah, <laughs> we uh we we just we figured you know we'll bring Brant. Uh, you know he did the so we're talking about Brant Dobovic, right? Am I pronouncing it right? Dubovic. Dubovic. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so he did the Van Halen show with us, and he's he's awesome. He lives out in Chicago, and he seemed to be really into the topic. Uh, mm-hmm. So we're going to have to get him back. Uh, I'll read his list somewhere in the middle of the episode. Um, but uh, so how'd you come up with this topic and just tell everyone what it is uh, if they can't read? <laughs> well, the topic is the best usage of a song and film and not the score like an actual track that wasn't maybe i mean it could be written for the film but you know kind of that the director took and almost to a point where some of these songs like when you hear the song you it the movie kind of owns it now it's like you automatically think of the scene it doesn't even stand on its own by as as a song sometimes just because it's so closely associated like it's the first thing that comes to your mind so this is one of those things where you're like, uh, oh, I this is easy. And then you start going through all the possible things that could have done it. And and the way I looked at it is like movies that played for a long time, basically, not like a 10 second thing, not like, uh, you right. know, just like something that, that that was very prominent in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very hard. You know, I, I can't say these are the best. I could say these are my favorites that I could think of right now. I, I feel like this is an ongoing show. I feel like I, this is a topic where I could pick an, a, a different 10 tomorrow, probably. Sure. Yeah, I really had to dig into my memory to uh, to try to get, you know, you know what it is? It's like a lot of these, like maybe the first three choices yep. are like, okay, and definitely the one that's definitely why I thought of doing this, that one. And then after that, they're all cool. They're just not quite in that top trio for me. Yeah. I think it was four, four that came to mind right away. And then when I really thought about it, like the rest fell into play. Um, I know that I talked to everyone about the one that I, I felt like is such a big part. It's something that everyone always mentions. So we could start off with that. Just, just like as an honorable mention or like a retired number. And it, <laughs> it, it's always going to be uh, the boogie night scene that has sister Christian by night Ranger and um, Jesse's girl by Rick Springfield, where that dude is like, I mean, that scene, not only is the music really cool, the acting really cool, but it's genuinely a tense scene because I feel we all identified 
you or most of us with uh you know the Mark Wahlberg and John C. Riley sitting on that couch where yeah. we're like, we kind of want no issues. We're not going in there to rob anyone. He's like kind of being cool. We kind of just fucked him over and gave yeah. him fake drugs. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just cut our losses and fucking go. Um, yeah. And so when when the uh, I think it was that Thomas Jane, like uh, the other guy. Yeah. From, so when he starts going off the handle, like it's just like this build up and like Alfred Molina is just dancing around in his underwear. Uh, do you know anything about the actual situation, the story? Well, the Wonderland, what it was based yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So Eddie, Na- Eddie Nash was the guy, you know, that yeah. Alfred Molina played. And obviously there were some liberties through the movie. There's a film, I'm sure you've seen it about that. I think um, uh, Bedrosian, is that his last name? He plays that character of the guy that gets ripped off. And then the story of Wonderland, not, you know, anything with Boogie Nights. Did you see that? I think uh, Val, Val, Kilmer. Val Kilmer. Yeah. Yeah. It's called, uh, it's called Wonderland. I think. I believe so. Yeah. 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 Um, but then there was also like a documentary on that guy. Uh, and like, you can watch the actual uh, police footage of like when the, the camera of going in the house, when it happened on the extras, which is just like, yeah, sick. it's a yeah. fucking trip, you know? Uh, but you know, the, the music to this was just great. It's just, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, I know you hated, um, you know, his last movie, Licorice Pizza. And, yes. uh, but I mean, it just, once again, just the placement of certain things. He, I would say Paul Thomas Anderson, Tarantino and Edgar Wright are like three people that like really use music, like on some next level shit. And Wes Anderson. I would oh, definitely. Wes Anderson. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yep um but anyway there's a lot did you want to say anything on that scene i mean it's you know like i said to to retire that number legendary tension building like like it's the textbook how how it's done you know you can feel tense just like watching uncut gems or something like that you're on the edge of the seat it just does such a and it fits in with the song because the song has all those little build-ups in it you know it's hold on hold on hold on it's my favorite part (laughs) <laughs> but, you're telling me. Uh, but it's just like uh it, it just builds tension it's a perfect power ballad it's like the power ballad you know it's yeah. uh it's a perfect choice so um aside from that one other thing i wanted to mention before we did our top 10 because sure. i couldn't specifically pick one um but the last thing that i saw that really blew my mind musically was baby driver I thought Baby Driver had constant, like it was just this barrage, mm-hmm. like a barrage of like every scene was associated w- with a song, and uh, it, it, it's it's unreal. Like I, I I couldn't pick one. Baby Driver. I mean, aside from the the bad taste that I I guess Kevin Spacey left on a lot of people. Yeah, you know, but it's like who gives a shit? You know, it's hey, like, yo. just just fuck it, watch it anyway. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost that film's almost like they made the soundtrack and then and then I mean I agree, I like the film too but like made it afterwards. The the soundtrack is so pronounced in Baby Driver. It's it great. might it might be my favorite Edgar Wright movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's fun. Uh, I mean, you know. I should watch. There's so many films that I saw once cuz there's so much shit coming out that I need to like revisit again. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 it trust me. Yeah, you know. It's you have access to so much shit that it's like Hey, remember those three movies I missed in like 2017, you know? Yeah. Or even uh, like the movie that was like my number one film in like 2000, 
15. Yeah. And I just or, <laughs> never see, watched it again because the next year came and I'm overloaded again. So that's a good problem to have. It is. Uh, so, all right. So let, let's start picking numbers here. So uh, let's do number 10. What do you have for number 10? My number 10 is uh, Leonard Skinner's Freebird used in The Devil's Rejects. Oh, good one. Grant had it for the Kingsman, which we'll read his list later. Which, but uh, you know, say what you want about Rob Zombie, and a lot's been said. <laughs> you know, I, I think uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is a good time, and I think Devil's Rejects is his peak. You know, and then it, you know, the 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 films go off off base, and then they even made a third with this Firefly kind of thing that just is terrible. But anyway, this scene is such a penultimate moment of like, uh, of going out in the blaze of glory. I don't give a fuck. And it just fits in perfect with, with Freebird. Cause then, you know, if you're not familiar with the scene, I know you are, but someone listening when they're in the car, they're facing the, the lineup of cops, you know, the roadblock it's instant death, uh, Bill Mosley hands the shotgun, the big gun, the Sid Haig, which I think Mosley had said that was symbolic of him, like like you're the leader of this crew. And uh, they all get ready, drive at the barricade right during the solo. And then it's abruptly cut, you know, with freeze frames of them getting lit up. And it's just great. I love it. Yep. And then we get, uh, you know, uh, what was that third movie that they did on them? I don't even remember the name. Oh, Three from Hell. That was atrocious. Uh, the the witch one and sound like I don't know, man. Like, no, no. But three three from hell was the the continuation of the story. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just getting into zombie, but yes, it just this would have been a great way to park it. You know what I mean? Unless you go prequel area. But... Um. So okay, my number ten is um, you know, this movie came out in '96, and I think I was still kind of like, yeah, I guess I was still kind of like doing lots of drugs so it, it was very uh very fitting um uh, that uh yeah i don't know it just for I, i'll always remember it and i was never really like a lou reed fan or anything like that but uh train spotting a perfect day like where mm. um ewan mcgregor like shoots up kind of reminds me of like uh, almost like the like the the flip side to Pulp Fiction when when Travolta does it, but it's a little bit more romantic when Travolta does it. And uh, just the scene, I mean, I guess he kind of like ODs or like falls out for a while. And it's just like you get this like that long droning. Oh, it's such a perfect day. Uh, just really good, really good use of it. And uh, I guess that was a Danny Boyle, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of that. I'll have a song from there later on too. That film uses it. Part two also, which was is an underrated sequel. Uh, Train spotting. So great. I put that under. I I don't know what the detachment is with me to mm-hmm. to movies like that with that have a sequel because you would imagine I'd be like all about it, um, mm-hmm. considering that I watched Clerks three, <laughs> you know. But it's like that and SLC Punk two. Like I love train spotting and SLC punk so much that by the time the sequel came out, I'm like, I don't, I, maybe I just, I wanted to remember those movies the way they were, you know, but you say it's good. I I'm totally with you on what you're saying there. Cause it was such a long time period, yeah. too, but I watched it and I was pleasantly surprised on how good it actually is. It's, uh, it's well. good. Yeah. Shout out to Begbie. 
Um, okay, yeah, give me your number nine. My number nine, um, it makes a lot of lists. It's probably low for, for some other people, but Aerosmith's Sweet Emotion for Dazed and Confused. Oh, that's so good. Good one. Uh, just when that bass comes in and introduce, we, we get like visual introductions to all the characters we're going to get to know better. You know, nothing really happens while they're using it, but it's just, it's a vibe of the 70s that's just so perfect. And Aerosmith's so important to the film because at the end, you know, they're going for those tickets and whatnot, right? But um, it's it's just perfect. Yeah, perfect. you you really uh, you killed it on that because I, if I would have remembered that, that's a good one. And it's also like any other song you could place on there that isn't as good would not mm-hmm. work. Like we would uh-huh. not be talking about like if it was like I don't know. If there's something about that long bass like intro where it's like getting there, getting there, right, and until that car. You know the 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 Dodge Dart like makes a turn and then the song kicks in. A super uh, easy vibe to that intro, and that film is a super easy vibe. You know, it's uh, it just it it, it sets the table perfectly. You know? It does, and you said like you know, the characters are all shown, but you don't know as you're watching the movie that these are the like I don't know, very brilliant, very yeah. brilliant, great great stuff for sure. Um, all right, so my number nine is going to be um i don't have them in order here so i'm just gonna go i'm gonna pick um i guess i'm gonna go with my least favorite out of all these so i'm gonna say um just dropped in uh the big lebowski Mm. which is a kenny rogers song i had no idea so when i first saw the big lebowski um i didn't like it i did i didn't like it uh, yeah, I didn't. I just saw it and I was just like, it, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Or maybe it just, I don't know. And I remember I probably rented it on video. I didn't see it in the theaters. Years later, we were asked to do Lebowski Fest as a band to do the covers. So this was at the Gramercy in the city. And we were supposed to learn, maybe you had like a 12 song set and six songs from the movie. So I watched the movie again and maybe years later it just kind of clicked. And then this song in particular, we were all like, this is Kenny Rogers. It's so good. So like when this song kicks in, I guess they play the whole fucking thing. And like, you know, uh, Lebowski, I mean, uh, the dude is is just kind of like it, it, it's a fucking trip, but it's a great song. And it's just visually something that I'll never forget. Like you could watch it on YouTube and, and it's just uh, masterful. And the song is just really fucking good. You know, yeah. it was a lot of fun to play. I don't remember how it sounded because it was such a tricky song to learn, you know, especially for a four piece like punk band. Uh, <laughs> you know, we were just like, how do we play this? It's so cool. But uh, yeah, that's my number nine. So just dropped in to see what my condition is. The Big Lebowski 1998, I think. Yes. Next one. Uh, my number eight is The Cars Moving in Stereo from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, uh, which is Good the song one. played in the legendary, I mean, legendary, iconic pool scene with Miss Baby Kate turning boys into men uh <laughs> it's just it it's a perfect intro for this fantasy that you know that that brad is having before he's interrupted it's got such the the little electronic feels to the, the that car song and the car's got so many great songs but uh when that extra the, the opening guitar 
guitar chords hit it just and she's getting out of the pool it's fantastic man once again you know i feel like we could do this all day long because sure. that's a, that's a really good one that movie has a lot of those yeah my runner-up from that movie is is led zeppelin cashmere for the because even i got that that kind of joke when i was little and so this movie because when he says you know when you're making out you got to put it on side two led zeppelin four and he plays cashmere which is from physical graffiti yeah so yeah yeah look yeah. at the time but uh it's killer good songs in that movie for sure um so my next one is going to be needle in the hay royal tenenbaums now uh you know wes anderson the fucking genius uh this is definitely my still my favorite of his it, it's such a i mean w- what a great fucking movie and I didn't really know some of the songs in here, like the these days, like which I think was like Nico. Yeah. Um, but every there there was a lot of picks in this that could have worked because he really used the shit out of these songs. But mm-hmm. this this one in particular um is just so dark and like the imagery really does play out like a video where like Luke Wilson is like shaving his beard and then, and then that other weird Martin Starr looking guy. I mean, it's just like all the characters in this movie. But, you know, Elliot Smith is so fucking cinematic and uh, truly like emotion like comes out of all his songs because it always seems like uh, they're he's just I don't know, just one of those like artists that like you hear and you're like, even if you don't pay attention to the lyrics, you're like, oh, my God, this guy's this guy's going through something. I don't know what it is, you know. Nice. So, uh, yeah, for me, Tenenbaum's Needle in the Head. Uh to say on that coming up later with mine one of mine um but uh uh, my number seven uh tribe called quest benita applebaum from the whackness um that's that movie another underrated film i don't feel like enough people have seen and if Mm. you in the 90s in new york and and you got down like that like you know (laughs) hustling some weed in the park or whatever it is a dress like that this movie nailed the feel and vibe of that like better than almost anything I've ever seen made after the fact. And preach, preach, because I tell people all the time, I, I've seen the movie a few times. I think it might be up on Netflix now, but it's like, it's a forgotten movie mm-hmm. that, that didn't come out that long ago, but this, it, it's almost like days and confused. It's, it's a movie that was made, you know, at a certain, you know, in the, made in the two thousands, but it, 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 it you know, it was like 10 years before 15, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the, 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 the time period that it was supposed to represent was captured so fucking good. And the soundtrack was a big part of that. Totally big part of it. And, and just him on the subway, I believe in the very beginning. And that's when they use Benita Apple bomb. It just sets it, sets it so nice. sets the mood. This is, this movie does like kind of organically feel to me. And I, I like that set. Um, uh, what's his name? That movie what was it ninety four or nine? What was that? Uh, Jonah Hill. I'm sorry. What was the oh film? mid? No, not midsummer. Mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that was good, but this film did it better. Like uh-huh. it natural. It felt natural to me. It didn't feel forced as much as that one. Not that that film was bad, but you know what I'm saying. Ah, uh, Ben Ben Kingsley though. How great was he? He was so good. <laughs> Guys, always great. You know. Yeah um cool so that's number seven Mm -hmm. so my number seven is going to be bohemian rhapsody in wayne's world um i was not really up on the the queen thing 
Yeah. You know, so when this came out, geez, I don't even remember what year this was, right? It was probably like nine like ninety, ninety one. I don't know. It wasn't in the eighties. Oh, maybe it was eighty nine. I don't know. Whatever it was, I just remember like I just remember like Bohemian Rhapsody hitting and like Queen having a resurgence because the catalyst was was this movie and also MTV was able to be the plug that pushed the idea out into your living room. So you right. Ninety? Ninety-two. Oh, really? The first one? Yep. Wow. Okay. So yeah, I was 14 and I'm listening to this and I missed, I think it was at night at the operas, but like, you know, you remember we are the champions and you know, we will rock you and sure. Maybe a couple of other things. Only and, from what sports. I queen wasn't on my radar. Yeah. Queen, <laughs> queen was not on my radar until this. And then they had this resurgence and then, the, uh, but this one it's in like, part of like what happened to Kate Bush was stranger things, but back same. then, you know, back then, yeah randomly boom for sure uh and and uh it just the thing that helped too was bohemian rhapsody was a really good song Mm -hmm. very unique like the first half of it was a really good song and then the outro in the scene in the movie you know they're all playing the parts of like that operatic shit Mm -hmm. and it was fun and to this day i still do the fucking drum roll when the kid, the guy sitting in the back of the car, he's like, do, 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 it's so good. Uh, I get a kick out of it every time I, I get a kick out of it every time I see it. And, uh, just recently rewatched this maybe in the last like three months. And it's still a very fucking funny movie. Sure. Shout out to Beecher in the backseat. For sure. This was before he was sucking Schillinger's dick. <laughs> Hell yeah, no, that's iconic 101, that scene. Number six. Uh, let's see, my number six, Q Lazarus, Goodbye Horses from Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> when uh, uh, Buffalo Bill there is doing his dance with the girl in the pit, it's something about this song that's just so haunting. I don't know, it's the singer has this like detached, dead sound to their, their voice, like uh, it. And it's it's a good track. It's got a good groove on it. I never heard of it before, you know. It's uh, it it, but it's got in the scene. You'll never forget it, you know, when he's doing the dance and he tucks it in. Also, mimic great in Clerks Part Two with Jay was very yes, funny. yes. <laughs> it's almost debatable about which usage I like better, but uh, <laughs> but but this one I loved and a close and and I got to give an honorable mention another uh, Michael Mann film too with uh, I was thinking about was uh. What was the first one? Manhunter. Manhunter, right? yeah. Oh, that that had some gems, yeah. Uber's uh, strong as I am. They use great in that and uh, in Agata DeVito, which is pretty creepy. That Those was he- good. That was a, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, Coo Lazarus. Yeah, Tom Tom Noonan in that one, man. He's... When I stayed at Public House, my last stop on the DJ train of my career, I would close the night with playing Goodbye Horses, and no one really knew what to make of it out there. <laughs> Well, speaking of horses, right? So, um, so one, two, we're we're up to six, right? Yep. Um, so for me, wild horses, but the cover by the Sundays in the movie Fear. So that was so cool, man. I remember sitting in the movie theater watching this, and he's literally like 
fingering Mark Wahlberg is fingering Reese Witherspoon on a roller coaster while it's like going up. And the music that's playing is the Sunday is covering uh, the Rolling Stones Wild Horses. And uh, I never paid attention to the Stones version. But, you know, at 18, when I saw this, I was like, oh, that's a really good song. And then I went backwards. Um, and, you know, another movie from like 96 that was just I watched fear, you know, maybe within the last year or two. It's mm-hmm. still very good because. It's it uh, plays into the fears of just having a daughter who right. meets meets a boy who is not very nice. She loves him. And he like you're. He is just like an evil motherfucker that has her like brainwashed, you know, uh, and Mark Wahlberg. This was the, you know, this and D- basketball diaries, obviously, but he was just a fucking complete psychopath in this. And it was effective because it's it wasn't a boogeyman. It was just this kid who was just yeah. really fucked up in the head. And he just, you know, had control of your daughter. It but uh, yeah, Wild Horses by the Sundays. All right, top five. Yes, drum roll, please. Uh, my number five, Underworld, Dark and Long from Train Spotting. Uh, a lot of people, probably Born Slippy is probably the better known track from Underworld that's also used in this film. And everybody knows uh, uh, Lust for Life, Iggy Pop, that was very synonymous. With, but this song, it's a long instrumental of like a, a trancy house, 90s trancy house uh, sound to it when he is kicking at his uh, parents' house and he's having all the hallucinations in his bed, um, people under his curtains and the girls and his friends and this and that. And then this track, is it's got a sinister, it's a beautiful like house or trance record, but there's a sinister bit to it. And it's perfectly played when when that baby, which I still that scene just haunts me with. Hell yeah, baby crawling on the ceiling and turning its head while this song is playing, and it's just uh, it really it really sounds like uh, the sound of coming down after like a rave or something like that. I don't know, just it was perfectly used. Yeah, yeah, those days are uh, definitely rough for sure. Um, cool. So let's do five. Uh, my number five. Uh, I'm gonna go with Down in Mexico by uh, fuck who the f- I totally forgot the name of the group Down in Mexico. I'm gonna look it up real quick. Jamie, Jamie, look that up for me. Down, in- I know I'm gonna fucking loot the coasters. What an idiot! So, Down in Mexico, Death Proof, Quentin Tarantino. Uh, the scene where um, you know, stuntman Mike gets a, a lap dance, you know. And this is so cool because you don't you know, like in the very beginning, like Jungle Julie, I think that's her name, was like saying, hey, if you see my friend Butterfly, blah, blah, blah. You recite this to her. And she has to give you a lap dance. You don't really think anything of it. And then when he starts reciting that and then they're they're having this dialogue as to like how she's not in the mood to do it anymore. Um, all building up to this really cool long da- lap dance where, you know, this song is really used perfectly and it's just such a it's shot you know we're talking about you know tarantino here is just such a goddamn genius pulling out songs that maybe you heard in your youth or or maybe you never heard and you're like wow this is just really good and uh i absolutely love it you know it's uh the full version of death proof is so 
so much fun. I know yeah. that that's the one that's streaming now because like when they showed the double feature, that was the second movie, and I think they chopped it down to like seventy minutes. It was very, very chopped, but uh, totally yeah. recommend. What, uh, what was that? Uh, wasn't what did they cut? I'm curious. I didn't see. Oh the... man, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, like a lot. There's a lot. Like I'm telling you, I think it was just I because obviously you know people didn't want to sit in the theater. But they didn't want to like punish people because I think it was like a three hour and seven minute running time. If I remember with the two movies combined and the fake trailers. Um, but I think I the... do better huh? than you or start a trend of that coming back to the double feature. You know, it just didn't really work out uh, where people. I don't know. 2007 was just strange. I guess no one was ready for it. You know, maybe like ten years before, ten years after, people would have appreciated more. I, I just file in today's society where everything's very, well, I think, a little shorter. Like, like, look at when Terrifier came out. Terrifier two came out. Everyone bitching about how long it was. It's like you know. Oh yeah, right. hey, I, that's cares. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, we waited five years to get this movie, and mm-hmm. now they give us a two and a half hour movie. It's like, okay. Yeah. What's the fucking problem? Thank you. Yeah, shut the fuck up about it. You know, you'll watch like eight episodes in a row of like Cobra Kai, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. These kids constantly get into a fight. Yeah, that's, you know. How shitty was that last season? I don't think we spoke about it, but we didn't. And and it's definitely not making. So when we start doing our best of, you know, we're going to do uh, yeah, best, so- best movies, best TV shows. Stay tuned. Best rock records, best hip hop records. But yeah, we could talk about like Cobra Kai and just how fucking terrible it was and how it didn't make any of our lists, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, cool. So down in Mexico, the coasters, Death Proof is my number five. Um, all right. My number four is Sigurosa. Sigurosa, am I pronouncing that right? Uh, uh, yeah, I think so. Daryl Fure, I believe is how you pronounce it, or close to it, from Life Aquatic by Wes Anderson. Uh, this is the song uh, when we follow Steve down, when they go to the bottom of the ocean where he's looking for that shark. I'm sure we, I assume we all know the plot where he's looking for that giant shark that had killed one of his old crewmates. And when he finds the creature at the bottom and this Sugar song is playing and it's just so beautiful. It's shot beautiful and they're taking in the beauty of this animal and um, the whole film is kind of about, you know, aging and second chances and stuff. And everybody in the crew now sees what he was always talking about. And the faith is restored and he gives the shark a second chance because he's not going to destroy it. And this song, it's just a gorgeous song. And it, it kind of takes you somewhere. Uh, for me, it was, it was, it's a pretty heavy scene, I think. Very cool. Yeah. Um, Iceland, right? That's where that band's from. Yeah. They were I like think, one of those in, in some kind of imaginary language or something that doesn't exist really. Or I, I thought that. I thought they I thought they were uh, whale sounds. You know, is that what? Yeah, yeah. they're they're an interesting band. Tell you do their own thing and stuff. But this is by far just a perfect usage of one of their songs. Like Star Trek Four when they were trying to record the whale singing to save the world or something. I forget uh, that. Yeah. Is that the- <laughs> or something oh that's superman wasn't it uh yeah quest for peace i i mean i we broke up when you said what you said but uh i think you said the, the quest, quest for... 
but then I said, is that Superman? I can yeah, remember. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the quest for peace. Yeah. What was Star Trek four then? Because <laughs> I think like five was undiscovered country. Three was like some in search of Spock or some shit. Was that one of them? Or... Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was four? Yeah, that oh. far one. It was Rathacon, obviously. Three was. Uh... Shit. Oh, we'll so... get Star Trek deep dive. That's never going to happen. Um, speaking of that, that was uh, Bill Shatner, the voyage home. That's what it was. <laughs> the vo- Star Trek for the voyage home was the one. Bill Shatner is an asshole. <laughs> oh my, but shout out to Kirstie Alley, too. She was, I think, in, in yeah. part two. Yep, you know, well, and uh, shout out to the internet for not letting anyone enjoy. Or or grieve anyone that they like, you know. As soon as you say like something about Kirstie Alley and people are like, wasn't she like you know a Scientologist or didn't wasn't she like a Republican? It's just like who who would even know? Like I have no idea. She was in Cheers. I can't just be like, hey, R.I.P. Kirstie Alley. Like I have I mean, to I have to like was- decipher like the last like thirty years of her political voting and like it's just like shut the fuck up. I just I knew her her political leanings but i didn't really care i didn't yeah like okay like i had no idea like everybody just, has one yeah 50 of you 50 of people you know like it and 50 percent don't so like yeah. where do we, where are we at the end of the day yeah it's like is she any worse than like my parents like no like if one of them drops dead i'm probably gonna be half as sad you know because they weren't in cheers so, but uh, all right. So, moving on, my number four, uh, yes. super cool. Um, something that just will always stick out in my head. Uh, Son of a Preacher Man, mm. um, in Pulp Fiction. Um, I mean, you could just pick so many of these things, and th- this was one of those soundtracks that I needed to buy. So, 94, I was 16, and it might have been like one of the first soundtracks that I bought, if I remember correctly. You know, because it was for a guy listening to indie rock and hip hop and punk rock, like a lot of these selections weren't really on my radar. Like I would hear them, but I didn't really know. And and this had everything from like, you know, Jungle Boogie to Son of a Preacher Man to like Dick Dale. It was just this like mixture of Quentin's brains. Yeah, that I couldn't really wrap my head around. Um I loved having this guy that was going to introduce me to stuff I never knew before. You know, I love being hip to things I didn't know about and then further investigate. Oh, wow. That's a cool song. Who did that? And then let me hear some of their other shit, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, it, it was kind of like a tough pick too between, um, the urge overkill cover. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, girl, you'll be a woman soon. Mm. Remember when when she sure. you know Mia uh, Mia Wallace is like uh, <laughs> dancing around. I mean that that movie is just full of shit. Where she does that killer blast, you know. She did do that killer blast for sure. That brings her over to uh, Eric Stoltz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Son of a Preacher Man, Pulp Fiction. How about even the intro to Pulp Fiction too? Shout out to the Dick Dale's guitar track. I mean, synonymous. Yeah that sound with with tarantino yeah i mean it's just these guys like i said those three that i mentioned even scorsese too scorsese was just like full of like maybe you know that's the lineage that they come from 
right you know, where it's just like these scenes are great but then you put that music behind it you know like scorsese loved uh painted black you know like that was just loves you know, this it, it turned into like my probably my favorite like rolling stone song so mm. uh here we are top three let's do it all right my number three would definitely probably make nobody's uh lists ever except this one um no <laughs> one's gonna know it uh it's a song called gravitational arc of 10 by vapor space and it, it mark it goes so high for me it's from a movie called beats a, a film set in scotland in 2019 they it got released but it it's about the 90s uh rave and club culture wow. and um the reason it, it, it made my list the year it came out it's the most if you want to ask me like, and I said this with kind of like with the whackness before you want to ask me what one of these things was like back then, a rave or the people that hung out there. And this is, takes place in Scotland. I'm in New York. This movie nails it more than anything. The feel, the friends, the clothes, the music, it's perfect. And I've seen so many films try to do a club culture kind of scene and they fuck the music up like they don't like they're playing some whack-ass track. i'm like no one would listen to this or fucking play this in a warehouse or some shit this track i i, I knew vapor space from hearing about these things and it's just got it's it's towards the climax of the film it's got these big um you know it's an electronic track so these big uh amen breaks in them and uh uh rising su suspense it just it nails uh, a rave in the in the early to mid nineties, exactly like it is. You want somebody asked me what it was like. This is exactly what it's like, and it culminates with this song. Yeah, yeah, sounds very cool. I, I I've never seen or heard of it. So. <laughs> no, no, very few people have. What you got to do is show on that some criminally underseen things, and uh, yeah, and this would be at the top of it. But yep, that's my number three. What do you got? Um, all right. So also clarification on the last thing I I should have said. Son of a preacher man into um girl you'll be a woman so like those two in particular that's why i mentioned it so i think it's like when they go when travolta comes over uh those two songs just really go well together and then that whole sure. scene uh where it's this you know this smitten begins you know where he's taking his boss's wife out but uh so my number three uh yeah i gotta go with uh deo and beetlejuice you know uh it's so fucking silly, but when you listen to that song and mix it together with that scene, mm -hmm. it's fucking great. You know, it's between that or like the ending, but it's just like that dinner scene, with everything. About, it's just like I probably so. Yeah, I guess I was pretty young when that movie came out, so I, I was probably not up on my Harry Belafonte. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know but it's just like eternally pleasing and whenever that song comes on it's just uh otho and uh just everyone in that scene man and, and that song is just a lot of fun man you know i don't even know it hey i miss it Dali, Dali. i'm like yeah. making up my own fucking words but it's so good it's, it's a fun song rhythmically and then that that movie owns that song now harry belafonte does not own yeah that song. That's it. He gave it up. And uh, then the, the ending, you know, when the hands come out of those bowls, you know, it's. Yes. It's fucking great, man. I, I uh, that's a clip you could just watch on YouTube. 
for like two minutes and you're like, this is fucking still great. So, Deo, yep. Number that's my number three. So, let's do your number two. Number two, Harry Nilsson, Jump into Fire from uh, Goodfellas. There's so many songs in Goodfellas that are great. Um, Layla, you always see on these lists. So, I wasn't going there, but uh, this song. Never heard the song before. Didn't know much about Harry Nilsson, obviously. And uh, I watched a good documentary on him. I learned yeah, a lot of stuff. Yeah, like who the fuck is Harry Nilsson or something? Yeah, I remember putting his records away at the record store all the time. I'm like, who the fuck is this fucking guy and stuff? And turns out he was like John Lennon, I guess, was a good big admirer of him and stuff. And he used to run in those kind of circles. But uh, but anyway, this song is during the um, the montage, if you will when Ray Liotta is the helicopter scene, basically for lack of a better term, where he's driving around full on Coke paranoia. Yeah. Ray Henry Hill looking up this song. This song is great too. I mean, this song now is like in my rotation, just in my car. Like I love it. It's got, it's, I, I don't know how to describe it, describe the tune, but it, 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 it melds with a Rolling Stone song. I can't remember. Um, it, it, it blends into two other songs. Switch uh, the Who, Magic Bus, and I think Monkey Man is the name of the Stone song. And then, but Jump in the Fire is the track that kind of holds it together because it always comes back to that. And it's just a frantic scene, and the change of songs and stuff like that play that out perfectly as Ray Liotta's just bugging out. So. Yeah, I mean, if 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 uh, you want to talk frantic, that's a good word for it. You know, it's. Uh... It just makes you want to drive around and do cocaine, basically, you know, like right off the dashboard. Like it's goddamn completely. And the, and the one thing that I remember about that scene is, uh, you know, do, uh, don't stop stirring, you know, or he tells his brother and you know, he's sitting there. <laughs> for sure. And then at least it still annoys me that goddamn girl with her goddamn hat. She fucked it all up to this day. That part bothers me. You know, there's certain scenes about, you know, like when when Jimmy Conway, who is obviously Jimmy Burke, who was played by um, De Niro, where he's like, I always, you know, uh, uh, rooted for the bad guys in movies, blah, blah, blah. Um, Right. I think he's the one who said it. (laughs) Pretty sure. Yeah. Uh, Right. Talking about him, I think. And Jimmy's the kind of guy that rooted for the bad guys in the movies. For sure. So when that scene comes on, you always think the same thing. It's like, you fucking dumb fuck and you're stupid fuck. I can't I can't fly without my hat. That's my lucky hat. I don't you know. I'm not gonna, I'm like, yeah. God damn. You know, like that or like when when um I'm watching Scarface, it doesn't matter. Like at the end when he's like literally lighting everyone up and that guy's walking behind him. Yeah. Just one time in my life, I want I want to I want to go full meta and just like say turn around and have him turn around yeah. just to fucking kill that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's just like, God damn, no matter how many times I watch it, I'm like, yo, just turn around. Just turn around. Yeah. You just smoked like a hundred dudes. And I mean, granted, once the cocaine would have worn off, like, you know, uh Tony Montana would probably bled out from all the bullet holes that he seemed to uh not out of question. Me have, <laughs> be yeah. bothered by uh um, he, <clears throat> he got hit a lot you know he dealt it but he he definitely only yeah. he took a lot um all right so my number two is a uh, tiny dancer in almost famous mm. uh another movie 
I just I, I I'm kind of watching this on on a yearly basis now. It's one of those movies that just like snuck into the rotation that I can't get enough of. Like it doesn't matter, you know. It, it creeped into like the Clueless, the Goodfellas, um, Days and Confused, where it's like these movies that are just constantly like. It doesn't matter if they're on T. Like I'll watch ten minutes of it, thirty minutes, forty minutes of it. Sure. Um, they're all sitting on that um, on that tour bus, and uh, they just start singing Elton John's "Tiny Dancer," and it's just such a great scene because, like, by the end, they're all kind of you know the song starts off slow, sure. and uh, it has that iconic scene where uh, you know uh, Penny Lane, aka Kate Hudson, turns to Patrick Fugit. And he, uh, he, he's like, I got to go home. And she's just like, you are home. You know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's so yeah. silly, but it's so good. You know, I, I love it. So that is my number two movie in a scene. Side note, Tony, I got a good tiny dancer story when I was still deep playing, a, playing the club. Dance floor is full. It's the middle of the night. And these two Australian tourist guys come up to me. Hello. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then. <laughs> They were wasted. You know, they wanted to hear Tiny Dancer at the club in the middle of the night. Oh, gotta... yeah. Sure. They said, I'll give you $200. I'm like, bullshit. And they pulled it out. Ah! I fucking sh- shut that shit down. Put on Tiny Dancer in the middle of the night in the nightclub. Took yeah. that two. And that's, that's it. <laughs> so that's great. That's so, f- you know, I love, you know, because I, I, I DJed here and there. And and the beauty of what I was doing was it wasn't like it was always like, oh, you play good stuff. So I told my friend and then I would get asked to mm-hmm. spin here, spin there. It's like, OK, you have a good music selection. So you do like re- read the room. You're yeah. like, OK, this is working. You, you kind of like fuck around a little bit, you know, maybe throw one in for yourself, you know, but it's like you see what hits. And then from there, you kind of like, you know, work the magic. So whenever you fucking pick a clunker and everyone like leaves, like, you know, hanging out or every like or it seems like the vibe changes, like it's kind of like devastating for sure. It's like when you play like a clunker as a band. So like to 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 go with Tiny Dancer, <laughs> it doesn't even make sense. I knew it happened, but I, I didn't give a fuck at that point. I was at the point like where I, that is a job where. I remember girls like asking me for some song that I just didn't like. Or didn't do you guys? Play. Do you know how to? Pl- do you have a Crazy yeah. Town Butterfly? I would take that shit out the CD. I'm like, it's on here, and I throw it right across the room. I'm like, you can go get it and fucking listen to it on the way home. Wow, look fucking, at you! I was a dick by the end of it. Just took- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but before we get to our number ones, do you have Brant's? Uh, we should read Brant's. Oh uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Let me do that for honorable- sure. Our fallen soldier, for sure. You know he. Yeah. Uh, Couple that were mentioned. I know he had moving in stereo on there. So he mentioned one, and once again, like 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 any list here, um, I think to myself, like this guy, he got a good one. Uh, the honorable mention's great. You know, I I would have picked it too if I would have thought of it. How I could just kill a man, juice. Yeah, which was a uh, used for, I think um two minutes maybe in the movie and it was like um i believe they talked about it in the documentary the cypress hill documentary that came out where it was like such a huge thing where 
they said it wasn't like a five second, 10 second, 20 second. It was like a, a 90 might have been 90 seconds to two minutes. Used through the whole movie at the end and how big it was for them. And uh, I mean, listen, juices that's full of situations like that and uh, full of great songs. And, and that, that's a great honor, honorable mention. Um, so um, his number five is a good one. I love uh, from the movie Rushmore. Uh, yeah. a, a quick one while he's away. Uh, the, you know, we mentioned Wes Anderson as being like a really good at his job and adding in some fucking really cool obscure songs. Rushmore is awesome. Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, uh, one that some people don't really talk about as much anymore, but uh, killer. Uh, number four, he has one that I would have picked if I would have remembered. Uh, it's Kingsman, Freebird. Yeah. So this scene is fucking bananas. You know, we love the raid movies and anything that's that type of high action. John uh, Wick. Yeah, anything like Gareth Evans flavored. Um, and I feel like he started a lot of that. He started like the John Wicks and then mm -hmm. it turned and turned into Kingsman. This scene in particular, I didn't want to watch the Kingsman. I just didn't give a shit. And maybe my girlfriend put it on. And this scene came on in the church where he kills literally everyone in the church. And there's like 200 people to this movie. I was like, yo, this blew me away so much so that I took, I lifted it from YouTube and I put it to like one of our songs. So I, I use it. I use it as like a, as like an Instagram post. Uh, number three, he has hurricane days and confused, which is cool. Um, this is where I believe they're walking into the pool hall, the emporium. Yes. And like I it's Wooderson. Uh-huh. You know, and uh I feel like this is where okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's, he's walking in, he's looking all cool. And I think like um God, what was the black dude's name? With the the soul pole. Well he asked <laughs> he asked no. he asked Mitch to 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 get him like the six pack. And yeah. me, me and my friend laugh because when he comes back with the six pack, not only does he tell him, he tells him, keep the change. And then he gives away five beers. It's just we yeah. were just like, wow, this guy's <laughs> living high on the horse over there. Uh, God, what was his Melvin? Yes. Melvin. Shout out to Melvin and then the soul, the soul pole. Uh, number two. Good one from Goodfellas. Then he kissed me. And then he kissed me. That's during the Copa scene, right? Yeah. The uh, when he's when they tell oh, the the single shot when single uh, shot. yep going from the street to the back room and walking through the the alleyways and they know everybody through the kitchen, get them a fancy table and yeah. where uh, Jennifer Melfi just you know falls in love with <laughs> yeah, Henry. Shout out to Jennifer Melfi. Yeah. Uh, and his number one is from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, moving in stereo. Yep. So shout out to Brand. Enough. Uh hopefully yeah. he's hopefully he's not coughing too much. He knows as much dumb shit about nothing as we do. So yes. we'll have to yeah. Go on. <laughs> um yeah. That's number ones. Uh all right. So my number one. You mentioned it earlier, Elliot Smith's needle in the hay from Royal Tenenbaums. Oh wow. Um it just struck such a it a chord with me. It's it it's such a heavy song and that and now in retrospect too with what happened to elliot and and 
you know, how he met his own end. It kind of gives this thing an even extra hauntingness to it. And, uh, you know, we, we watch as, as he shaves his beard and he says, I'm going to kill myself tomorrow, but he does it there. He, or he attempts to, and then the, the cold cut to silence when, uh, Dudley comes in the room. What did you refer to him as? The... I said, Martin Starr looking motherfucker. And he's, and he screams, but we don't hear it. It's complete silence. And then it cuts immediately to them racing down the, uh, the hospital at the, with the gurney. But, uh, I'm not just uh, Elliot Smith's voice is just so. Yeah, it lends itself to stuff like that. You know, yeah. it, it's very. He had maybe it's in the production style, maybe it's in like the backing vocals, but like his voice, like is just really tailor made for that. Yeah, uh, you know, and we and we see the flashbacks, you know, uh, uh you know of. of Margot Tenenbaum and his and Mordecai's eagle and whatnot and everything flashing through his eyes is just amazingly done. Well, you mentioned well, you mentioned uh, you know what you didn't want to pick because it was too basic, and I went the basic route because when I think about movies and I think about you know a song, I, mm -hmm. I think of Goodfellas, I think of Layla. You know, yeah. obviously they use the piano outro. And the the keys, the piano notes in that are so melancholy. Yeah. And the um, uh, the scene is just sh showing like everyone that you spent the whole movie with kind of showing up dead. Mm -hmm. So like the emotion that you feel from like the actual notes to the fact that you're seeing Oh, Frank Carbone too. Like he's like thought out, you know, he's like frozen yep. in a meat locker. You know, it's like th that combination um, really worked very well to this point. Like it's something that I never got sick of. And, and when it comes up in the movie, it almost feels like, like that should be the ending, you know, cause it wraps yeah. it up so nicely um, that it's just, I can't think of a better, I can't, I can't. I wasn't familiar with that and i knew the riff of layla when that came out but i i still don't i'm not a big eric clapton fan at all i think that guy's like crazy overrated i love cream but his but uh some of his other stuff so i knew the riff of layla but i didn't really i never sat with that piano part before and it, it, it is perfectly suited and beautiful for the scene yeah i, I listen uh so 1990 i was 12 i, I couldn't even imagine that i knew what I was listening to. Right. I'm, I'm sure I heard Layla, but like you hear right. And by then you're like, okay, whatever you hear two minutes of that. And you're like the radio. Uh, when I'd be forced to listen to regular radio, if I was working at our seven 11 or something and they didn't, the radio would never play the full version. They wouldn't. They yeah. For that. Yeah. You know? So when you, when you get to that part, it's such a, it's such a different thing. And like I said, just mixed into that movie, um, you know, Scorsese was probably like, Hey, that's cool. Like I could use Layla, but I'm not going to use the whole three first three minutes. Right. I'm going to use that ending right. because it's so cinematic. It's so it's great. It's just a great piece of music that could stand on its own. And as you can see in that scene, it, it really does. So that yeah. would be my number one. I, Cause I couldn't, you know, when I think about it, I just couldn't think of another scene in another movie in my head 
that had as much impact and that years later I could still watch and not be like, okay, like I get it. Yep. Agreed. Cool. So uh, th- this one's in the wraps. Uh, the next time we get together, uh, we're going to start uh, our four episodes of uh, best of. And, yeah. Uh, Definitely putting in some work on that one. Hopefully uh, it's a good show and stuff. Cause it, man, it was a loaded year with films. I've seen like 30 films that in any other year I could be talking about at least, you know, I good just, year. I just added one. Um, you know, I went to go see Violent Night. Fucking worked. Yeah, good. It's so good. Yeah. And our mutual friend, Rob, uh, is uh, like best friends with the screenplay writer. So oh, that yeah. that guy and his buddy wrote Sonic the Hedgehog 1 and 2. And I mm-hmm. guess that was like their big success after like plugging away forever. Right. So they they write this thing. And then they, uh, I guess they fish it around and then they ended up with the guy who directed the Dead Snow movies, Hansel and Gretel. Uh, And you, man, it's, I I think it was, uh, the the conversation was that uh, when people say, hey, is Death, uh, Die Hard a Christmas movie? You know, like that conversation, I think that that they were going for like, hey, you know what, we're going to make a Christmas movie that's Die Hard. Which I thought is kind of brilliant, like to to just do to like, be like, hey, there's no question on this, right? Uh, but the characters, the casting, uh, the action scenes, uh, the direction, everything about it was like really cool. John Leg was, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna leave that one in. John Leguizamo is in it, and um, just great cast, man. I it, it's 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 pure action, pure violence. A lot of heart, great actors, and all mixed in with movie magic, and um, it. I, I got, can't. I can't say enough about it for sure. Got to see it. And uh, who knew John Leguizamo was going to be bothering me so much? That guy says a lot of dumb shit lately. Yeah, he's he's an idiot. Yeah, what happened? To, you know, it's a, he's a Colombian guy, a guy like myself, saying a bunch of dumb shit. So. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll forgive him because Violent Night was good. Uh, <laughs> cool. All right. I'm going to go do my thing uh, and I'll talk to you soon. You got it. Bye.